There are many issues that plague youth. The church acts as a safe haven. It provides a place where youth can come together to hear the Word of God. Upper Room Media presents to you this Youth Talk, delivered from Sydney, Australia. The topic that I've been given uh, to begin with is around um, feeling forgotten in times of tribulation. Feeling as though God has forgotten us. Now, tribulations in our life, some of us have experienced already trials and tribulations. Some of us maybe haven't yet really experienced um, any serious trial or tribulation. But definitely, you will. How do I know that? Hey? Because you're older. Because I'm older? Yeah, I'm a bit older and I've, um, I realise that life chucks a lot of things at you. And uh, you can't go through it without it, without tribulations. But also because Jesus said it. Jesus actually told us. You know, we often think of the words of Christ that he, he speaks words to give us um, like everything's going to be okay, don't worry about anything, it's all good, I love you, you love me, it's, you know. But actually, Jesus wasn't always speaking like that. He said, in this world, you will have, you have what? Tribulations. Tribulations. He didn't say, oh, you might have tribulations. Or if you have tribulations and do this, he said, in the world, you will. You will have tribulations. But be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. So he did spin back to be happy in the morning. But he told us for certain that you will have tribulations. Now, the title of this talk is Feeling Forgotten in the Face of Tribulations. Um, but that's, that's a perspective. That in tribulation, sometimes we feel God has left me. God has forgotten about me. God has turned His face from me. God doesn't love me. These are all perspectives of tribulation. They are all ways in which we see tribulation. And every one of us sees tribulation in a different way. But I would, what I would like to do today is give us a different way of looking at tribulations. A different perspective. A different lens to looking at tribulations in this life. Because what does the world teach us? The world teaches us that you should try to live life and soar through life with maximum pleasure and minimal pain. That's what the world teaches us. Just try to get through to the end. Happy, relaxed, pleasure, no pain, 
push pain away, just be happy and soar through life. So when we look at tribulation and pain, we look at it, oh no, that's the enemy. I don't, I don't want that. I meant to soar through life with maximum pleasure and no pain. And so we push it away. And no, and God, you forgot me. God, you ignored me. God, you don't love me. I'm meant to be in pleasure all the time. That's how we look at tribulation. But I'd like to offer you a, a different perspective on tribulation and how to look at it. And I'd like to um, use St. Paul as an example of how he looked at it. Now we, we know St. Paul, he's written half of the New Testament, the greatest missionary of all time, the greatest influencer of early Christianity, a remarkable man. Okay? Let's look at his perspective on tribulations. He says this. When he was trying to defend his apostleship to the Corinthians, because, you know, St. Paul, there were the apostles that Christ chose and ordained. But then St. Paul comes, like, later. He didn't really witness the resurrection of Christ. He wasn't hanging out with Jesus as an apostle, as a disciple. He was kind of like late and came late to the party, and Jesus appeared to him. So when St. Paul comes as an apostle, everyone's like, You're not an apostle then. Like, you weren't even with them. You weren't like, you weren't a witness of the resurrection. Where'd you come from? Like, you were, you were persecuting Christians. Like, you don't just pop up and say you're an apostle. So St. Paul often had to defend his apostleship. He had to say, no, God, I am an apostle. Don't say I'm not. And he had to defend it. And one of the ways he defended it to the Corinthians is this. Look how he defends his apostleship. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. Ready? You think they're ministers of Christ, those apostles? I am. I speak as a fool. He speaks as a fool because he's about to like boast. Yeah? Like he's going to say, watch this, I'm going to trump for me. But I'm going to speak as a fool. I am more. Ready? In labours, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys, often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils of my own countrymen. In perils of the Gentiles. In perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, 
my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble, and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. Now, I want you to just sort of think about St. Paul's perspective of tribulation. Yeah? What's his perspective? He looks at it like this, this crown. He looks at it like a jewel on his crown. He looks at it as part of the way he is a true minister of, of Jesus Christ, a true apostle of Jesus Christ. He uses it to boast. Yeah? He's proud of it. He, he's not looking at it like the world looks at it. The world looks at it like, no, avoid it. Soar through life with maximum pleasure. What does St. Paul do? Man, shipwrecked, bashed, whipped. Yeah. He loves it. Give me more. St. Paul looks at tribulation to be almost something positive. Something he's proud of and boasts about and excited about. And look what he goes on to say. Again to the Corinthians. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thought in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So he had something wrong with him physically. Yes, he describes it as a thorn in the flesh. We don't really know exactly what that meant. But he had something physically that, that burdened him. Yeah? A thorn in the flesh. Something bothered him. Perhaps a disease, perhaps a sickness, perhaps some sort of issue physically. That he said to he said, I plead with the Lord three times, take it away from me. So imagine you're sick and we have some sort of problem health-wise. Please God, take it away from me. It's still there. Please God, take it away from me. It's still there. Please God, take it away from me. It's still there. So three times he asked God to take it away from him. And he said to me. So he's saying, God said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, listen to this one, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What a perspective of tribulation. Therefore, his conclusion, after all of this, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Now I'm presenting it to you 
the other extreme of looking at tribulation. The world is, is one extreme. We never follow the world. We're Christians. Christians have to be different. Christians are not of this world. Whenever the world has a, has a way of functioning or thinking or believing or perspective, know that you, you're going to be different for sure. We never, we never alone. Hardly ever. That's the world, and this is St. Paul over here. He's nuts. Oh, I love it. Take pleasure in it. Tribulations. Because when I am weak, then I am strong. Christianity is full of paradoxes. Full of them. You want to be first, be last. First be last. You want to be the greatest? Wash feet. What? That's the slave. Love your enemy. How do you love your enemy? It's your enemy. You want to find your life? Lose it. I'm trying to find the one where I lose it. Christianity is full of perils. So when I am weak, then I am strong. Christianity is soccer. Soccer is beautiful. It's beautiful. What makes Christianity make sense is that it makes no sense. What makes it true is the fact that it makes no sense. Yeah. It's a religion that makes no sense. When I am weak, somehow that makes me strong. Why? Because when I am weak, then who am I relying on? God. If I'm strong, I'm relying on who? Myself. My moments of weakness, I look up. Yeah? So when I am weak, then I cling on to the one who is strong to lift me. And so St. Paul realized this mystery in tribulation. He found that whenever he was going through tribulation, all of a sudden he would be strong and powerful. And therefore he began to love it, he began to take pleasure in it, and he even boasted in it. So now I want you to think about tribulation in your life, or tribulation that will one day come in your life, and how you will look at it. How you will look at it. Very important that we get our perspective of it right so when it comes, we know how to deal with it. Now, suffering and tribulation and distresses have lots of benefits. But not everyone gets those benefits. There's a, a Chinese proverb that says, when the pupil is ready, the teacher will appear. The Chinese, they've got some good ones. Okay? When the pupil is ready, the teacher appears. What's that mean? You can only benefit from a teacher if the student is prepared and open 
and ready to learn. If a teacher appears when the pupil is not ready, well, the teacher can be the best teacher in the world, but nothing's going to happen. The order is when the pupil is ready, the teacher appears. Now, who is the teacher in, in, the, in what we're talking about? Tribulation. It's a teacher. How do we benefit from this teacher? As the pupil, we have to be ready. Because when we are ready, the teacher appears. Tribulation appears as a teacher. It will benefit us greatly. But we have to be ready to be able to benefit from it. Every tribulation in your life, look at it as though it was a fork in the road of life. So you're going along this journey, all good, all good. Primary school, easy. High school, no. You make new friends, HSC, uni, get my course. Boom, tribulation comes. Now, that road I was going on, now is going to make a fork. You know when you drive to St. Mark's Church from Forest Road? And you get like past Bexley area? And then like it starts to go like that? You know that part? I never know which way to take. It's like traffic. It's <laughs> and then boom, I'm stuck in traffic. Far out. Every time I get to that point, there's a decision to be made. It's a fork in the road. Which way do I go? Now, tribulation presents for each of us that fork in the road of your life. And there are two roads to take. One road is the road of bitterness. Bitterness. Oh, why me? What have I done to deserve this? It's always me. What has happened to me? God doesn't love me. Where are you, God? Why would you do this to me? I'm sick. I'm not going to church. Stuff this. I don't even believe in God anyway. My faith. Vuna, whatever. Sick of it. I'm going to sleep. Bitterness. Bitter. It's annoyed. I didn't get what I want. I didn't get the course I want. I didn't get the girl I want. I didn't get this or that. Why do I have to have this sickness? Why do I have to be overweight? Why do I have to lose my hair and get bald? My brother's older than actually my, my dad is like late seventies, he's got more hair than me. <laughs> Why me? What have I done? I actually was much better looking, I promise you I was much better looking. <laughs> Why me? Come bitter. That's one, one, one road to take with tribulation. I either go the bitterness road or the greatness road. You meet a fork in the road of life. One is to grow bitter. One is to grow better. And tribulation presents that opportunity. I either go bitter or better.
Pope Shenouda, you know, I don't know if you know this, but when he was born, his mother died giving birth to him. And back then, if there were complications, um, the, 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 the mother's life was often in danger. And so Pope Shenouda's mum died as he was being delivered. So he, he basically had no mother. Then, um, when he was a young boy, his father died. So his older brothers looked after little Baba Shenouda as well as growing up. And then he you know, goes on, becomes a monk, a bishop, patriarch, you know, whole thing. And then um, he was doing an interview. I was, I was watching this interview that he had this, this um, television interview. And um, they were asking him about his upbringing and his childhood and his parents. And, and he told them that I, I was like an orphan. I, um, I had no parents. Um, and then he said, but what happened is because I never had the love that a mother gives her son. I never experienced it. He, he never touched his mother. He never even was breastfed from his mother. And, and the fathers back then were a bit like, you know, you know, they don't do the whole love thing like we do now. So he didn't get that. Like, and then he died young, his dad died when he was young as well. So he said, I never, I never had that love from, from parents. I never experienced it. So what I would do is I'd go to church and I'd try to love everyone so that I could get their love back. And then I would take everyone's love and try to put it together to make up for the love that I missed out on all my life. And then like, I started to think and I asked myself this question. Would Pope Shenouda have become the Pope if he had normal parents, normal upbringing? You know, mom and dad around, raised in Shobra, you know, mom making him a rakhiri and was and like the whole thing and tucking him in bed and had albi and all that. Would he have become the Pope? Hands up if you think he's still in the Pope. I agree with you. I don't think he would have become the Pope. I think this tribulation in his life made him the giant that he became. And he went around loving everyone, serving everyone, holding on to the Lord and taking the love from Christ. And growing and growing in his love and his sacrifice and his service to the point that he becomes one of the greatest patriarchs in the Coptic Church has ever seen. Yeah? Where did that come from? Where did this giant emerge from? This giant emerged from a tribulation. In fact, a very big tribulation. The biggest kind of tribulation. No parents. That, that's how he emerged from that. But somebody else could, could be bitter. I never had parents, I never had love, I never had nothing. Turned to drugs, turned to sex, turned to alcohol, turned to this, feeling, and then destroyed themselves. 
So tribulation, it presents an opportunity to even become bitter or better, to fork in the road of life. But the teacher appears when the pupil is ready. You can only take the better path every single time if you are ready as the pupil. If you are ready to look at tribulation as something that I don't need to hide from, I don't need to avoid at all costs, in fact, I can embrace it, I can accept it, thank the Lord for it, I can even boast in it, I can grow in it, I can become stronger in it. And that perspective is critical for us in our life as we begin to experience tribulation that will no doubt come. I want you to imagine this. Imagine um, there were aliens who existed in outer space. And one day the aliens um, managed to um, come down to planet Earth on their spaceship. And they found a good landing spot on top of St. George Hospital where the helicopter paddies. The aliens come down the spaceship and they land on St. George Hospital helicopter paddy. And the aliens they jump out of the spaceship and they, they look around, you know, and they find the staircase that goes down into the hospital into an operating theater. Okay? And there's operation going on. Okay? There's a doctor, he's got a mask on, and there's a person on a bed. The doctor has a, a scalpel, cuts the, the patient open, and blood everywhere, and then pulls something out and chucks it in the bin. And the aliens like, oh, oh my God, what is this race? They're a freak show. He runs back up to his uh, spaceship and he flies back into space. He tells all the other aliens about this planet. They're a bunch of sickos. They get people and they tie them down in bed. That in fact, what this doctor was doing is saving this person's life. He cut them open to remove a tumor that was then thrown out and stitched up and given life again. Sometimes God puts us down and cuts us open and takes something from our life that is destructive to us and throws it out. And we look at God and say, you are crazy. What are you doing to me? Why are you doing this to me? You are a cruel God. How could you be God a loving Father when you do this to me? When you allow this to happen to me? And God is saying, my son, my daughter, I am saving you. I'm removing from your life something that will cause you harm. Trust me. That we are like these dumb aliens. Why are they doing this? Why? Look at that man. We have to look at things differently. We have to look at relations with a different perspective. Not as dumb aliens, but as Christians who are not of this world. 
I have insight into the power that tribulation can have, in the strength that it can give us to cling on to the Lord. The refocus that it gives us is refocus again on the kingdom. Everyone experiences tribulations, everyone will experience tribulations, but all of us will look at it differently. And what I would love at the end of this, this camp is that we could all walk away ready to look at tribulation in a positive way. Not to feel that God you've forgotten me. Not to feel that God you've left me out. Not to feel that God is punishing me. Not to feel that there's no God at all. But to realize that this is an opportunity for me to grow better. Recently I was visiting a lady who had diagnosed with cancer. And I'm not good, like I'm a priest, but I'm not good with these situations. Okay? I, I get I don't like being in this situation where I have to go and someone's just being found out that had cancer and I'm like, it's uncomfortable. I don't say, Mahadesh, praying for you. Like, I never not say that. I don't like it. I usually get in and get out. I don't like being in these environments. But I went to visit this lady and as usual, I don't say that. And then she starts talking, thank God. And she says, Abona, I can't believe the Lord chose me to have cancer. I'm thinking about how I respond to this one. <laughs> but thank God she's talking. She goes, I'm not worthy of such a high gift. I'm oh, sorry? I'm not worthy of such a high gift. This is for the saints. I never believed that one day the Lord would choose me to have cancer. She was so happy, delighted. It was weird. But I left inspired. I said nothing, but I left inspired. Because what is it? It's a perspective of tribulation. And this is something now that has hit me that all I can do, Lord, is now depend on you. My life is in your hands, my family in your hands. Every day I'm here and I'm praying before you, Lord. In fact, this, this woman had remarkable miracles take place in her life. They found a, a, a big lump somewhere, ready to go into surgery. She comes to church before her, asking the Lord, Lord, just make the surgery be, be not painful for me. That's all she asked. She didn't say, heal me, take it away. Just, Lord, don't make it painful for me. She went to the surgery. Before the surgery, they just did like a precautionary rescan just to make sure. The tumor is in the same spot they thought it was. You know, it's re-scan. It's a tumor. They're all like confused. They call the school manager. They call the doctor. Come in. We're looking at scan. It's a big, big fuss. She says they were all like everyone's running in, like looking at comparing the two. Like, is this the same person? Wrong file. Like, what's going on? Tumor? No tumor. What a great honour. You've all just finished your age, you've finished your HSC, I'm sick of English. I'll read you one last poem by Robert Frost. The road not taken. Do you want to study this poem? Yeah? Eilish, here you go. 
Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry, I could not travel both. And be one traveller, long I stood. Like all on the road when trying to get to church. And be one traveller, long I stood. And look down one as far as I could. To where it bent under the undergrowth. I shall be telling you this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less travelled by, and that has made all the difference. I took the one less travelled by, and that has made all the difference. Suffering, tribulation, is an invitation to a less Travelled road. Take the less travelled road. The less travelled road is the one to bitterness, to greatness, to growth, to positivity. And that will make all the difference. Whenever you are faced with any tribulation, thank God. Cling to Him. And you will grow and grow and grow from it. Never be bitter, never complain, never complain to God, but in all things be thankful, no matter what comes your way. Job was a great example of that. Job copped it from every angle. He loses his livestock, he loses his house, he loses his children, he loses everything, he gets sick, he gets home, 50 chapters. And his wife, it's like over it. She says, Job, just curse God. So advice is that. <laughs> and Job says, you foolish woman. How shall I ever open my mouth against God? Never open my mouth against God. The hand that is there to hold us, to lift us, how can we push that hand away? We hold on to it. We lift us up. There are things beyond our comprehension. There is mystery in this world. But all we know is that tribulation is a teacher ready to teach us when we, the pupils, are ready. And if we had this perspective right from now, we will always take that road less travel. Glory to God forever. Give me a chance, maybe if you have any questions that you'd like to ask, or thoughts that you'd like to share. Uh, I wonder how can tribulation still be true tribulation if we love? Like, shouldn't tribulation be something that makes us feel bad? Feel like, oh, see, people are Yeah, no, that's, uh, I guess you would describe it the reaction. Uh, tribulation is tribulation because there's something that is hard. Yeah? It's almost like um, the gym. Okay? The gym. Some people love the gym. They love every day. They love to go work out, push, push harder, bench more, this and that. They love protein shakes. You know, it's mad, you know. Tuna in the scum, whatever. You just go pretty push it. Some people like me, like I joined the gym, I don't know, ten times. This last time, I told my wife, I promise you, I'm going to join, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick to it.
$17.95 a week, I think. Every week comes out, $17.95. I've gone two times. <laughs> My wife's like, this $17.95 is burning me every week. Like, just go. I hate the gym. I hate it. I want to love it. I really need to love it for my health. But the gym is the gym, it's a fact. Some people love it, they look at it positively. Some people can't hack it. What I'm saying is tribulation is tribulation, like the gym. We need to be the people that, that love it, that accept it, that realize it's good for you. Yes, it's hard, but it's okay. It brings results. Yeah? If you have that perspective of tribulation, you're always at peace. You never lose your peace, actually. Because ultimately, we all want to be happy and peaceful. That's, that's, you know, that's, that's one goal we all share here in this room. Every single one of us in this room wants to be happy, wants to be peaceful. We all want that for ourselves. The problem is, life takes away our peace, takes away our happiness by tribulations. But we are capable of remaining happy and peaceful in all tribulations, in all things. Here's another example. A lady in our church, I'm not, actually not from our church, another church. I saw her once. I was giving a talk in another church. After the talks, they came up to me. She said, yeah, Borna, please, don't you pray for me? I have a problem with my eye. One of my eyes. Um, they're, they're saying that I could lose my sight in my eyes. Please pray that doesn't happen. I'm like, yeah, of course, Tom. No worries. No, please, God, pray for this lady. No, don't lose her vision. Don't lose her vision. Then I see her again after a few weeks. She said, Borna. I lost the vision in life. I'm like, oh man, life's pretty suck. <laughs> She's like, please pray for my other eye because now they're worried about my other eye. I'm like, man, maybe you should find a different priest. Like, I'm like, alright, no worries, time to you know, pray for her, oil, cross. God, please, God, the other eye, I don't know who's that one. I stuffed up with the first one. Like, <laughs> then the boy comes to me and goes, there's a lady, Tom to shut off me. She lost vision in both her eyes. We need to visit her. I'm like, oh, I don't want to go. You go. I can't, I can't want to face this woman. Like but I can't say that to Bunyao. I've got to be obedient to Bunyao. So I'm like, how did I Bunyao go? Like, and, you know, I'm just walking in the house, kind of hiding behind me. She can't see me, but... <laughs> anyway, as usual, I'm not saying situations. What do I say to her? My lash, you're blind, like it's, you know, it happens, don't get upset. Sorry, I stopped up with my praying, like... What do I say to her? Uh, hey, I can't do these situations. Again, thank God she stops talking. so much for this is the happiest time of my life I've never been happier I thank God every day for what he has done ever since this happened my husband left his work to stay and look after me all of our life we never spent time together now every day we're together every day he, he takes me for a walk and we hold hands we never used to hold hands now because I can't see he holds my hand Every day take me for walks. My children are always busy out. Now they come and talk to me and spend time with me and look after me. I never used to my Bible, but now I'm listening to the 
why we're all day every day. We've got nothing else to do. So this is the best thing that happened to you. Look at the perspective. You can grow very bitter being blind, trust me. But when you look at it from the positive perspective of the things that it has done for us, all my husband close to me. I can hold his hand. My children are around me. My, all I'm doing is listening to the word of God. It's lifted me up. Okay? So tribulation, tribulation. But but how I look at it, the positivity that I can I can take from it, the happiness I can find in it, it it's real. Well, it's not just theoretical. As Christians, the Holy Spirit has gifted us with the fruit of, of joy. We can be joyful in all things, in all tribulation, no matter what happens. Keep that perspective clear in our minds, and whenever it comes, it will come. We're ready. We're ready for it. Any other questions? We've been taught by our Lord Himself is that when we pray, pray, Lord, according to your will. We, we, we pray that all the time. Yeah? And we, we do it with everything. We need to do it with everything. Lord, I, I need this taken away from me. I'd love this taken away from me. St. Paul asked for it three times. But then he didn't despair. At the end of it, he said that I realized that. It's actually good for me, and I take pleasure in it. And because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So I think prayer has a role, and at times it can take away the tribulation from my life, or it will do something else. It will give me strength to carry the tribulation. So prayer will perform a miracle. There are two miracles that can take place. One is the tribulation removed. Healing, whatever it is, or the second miracle is strength to carry it. And whenever we pray for tribulation to be removed from our life, we ought to pray in those two ways. Lord, take it away from me if it's according to your will. Otherwise, give me the strength to carry it with peace and joy. And one of those two will be answered. That way, prayer is never unanswered. Always answered. Just make it the answer the way you prefer, but the way that God sees it. So I didn't stuff up too bad with the eyes thing, and I told you to hold my strength a bit. She got that. So. One time, um, a guy at church has got his license, first car. Hey, wouldn't I come pray on my car? Whatever. Well, yeah, no worries, man. I got my water, went to the car park at church, prayed on the water, you know, blessed the car, did my thing. And every angle, tires, batteries, engine, insides, interiors, everything. The next day comes to church, Buna. I had a massive accident. The car's a light off. The car's a light off. 
Are your prayers? Seriously? I mean, what's going on? <laughs> I go, okay, how do you have accent? What, tell me how you have accent. Yeah, I was raised in the M5. <laughs> and my prayers do not cover raised in the M5. beautiful camp. Um, let it be a time to grow in the Lord, to see things differently, um, and always to remain, as the camp says, un unshaken. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart, and we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.